This program was first broadcast on Canterbury's access media station, Plains FM, and was made with the assistance of New Zealand On Air. Next on Plains FM, host Tina Dakin-Luke interviews inspiring women on This Is Who We Are. Welcome, I'm Tina Dakem-Luke and this is Who We Are. It probably comes as no surprise, but I'm old school when it comes to reading via device or holding a book in my hands. Perhaps it's because I find print on paper easier to read. But honestly, nothing beats the feel, look and smell of a book. This is even more true when it comes to children's books. One of my favourite parts of being a primary teacher was reading to the children taking them on a journey of wonder and imagination via colourful illustrations and rhyming lyrical words. I enjoyed using different voices and intonation to make the story jump off the page. I've often wondered about the process and journey an author undertakes to bring their story to life. Today, we are lucky enough to talk to a talented lass who has self-published a children's book inspired by her own child. So grab a drink, get comfy, and I will introduce her after this song. Sunset's fine. Sunset's fine. 
Giant Spoon, written by Rebecca Yock, illustrated by Lucy Jollo. You're going to hear me turn the pages, but that's part of the joy of reading a book, actually. There's the most amazing colours jumping out at me. First, there was a clang, then a clank, a clattle, and a whoosh, and soaring past Ruby's head flew a giant spoon. But not just any giant spoon, a giant's spoon, straight out of the sky and into her backyard. Now, Rebecca Yock, how on earth does a giant spoon end up in a little girl's backyard? Uh, well, it all started, the, the journey of the giant spoon all started in um, London in, in 2015. And my daughter, I was living there at the time, we were living in Hackney in London, and my daughter was at a nursery, which is the sort of kindergarten equivalent. And we got a little report back on how she was going. And I've actually got it written in, in front of me. And um, she'd written in there that the nursery teacher, Neelam, um, had written in there that um, Rosa then talked about a spoon that her friend had. She said, a huge spoon. It's a giant spoon, bigger than the houses, bigger than everything, <laughs> even bigger than the giant. That and is I gorgeous. The phrase, it just kept flowing in my head and I'd already been you know writing some children's stories and playing around with ideas but there was something it almost felt like poetry to me and then I started thinking hmm, I wonder what would happen if a really giant spoon did land in somebody's back garden and then I, and then it went from there it's just such fun and the journey that the story goes on is is so wonderful for the children for their imagination too I bet you had a great time figuring out where that spoon went Yes, yeah, I did actually. There was a lot of kind of brainstorming. What else could you do with a giant spoon? So it was quite an exercise <laughs> in creativity, actually, trying to think. But I, I think it also made such an amazing, it was such an amazing kind of platform, I think, for the illustrator as well to kind of bring that to life as well. And so that isn't the only way that you've been creative in your life. I understand that uh, you started, you know, dabbling in this kind of thing when you were at university at um, RDU. Yes. Well, actually, though, I did. I, I, I did write, start to write my my very first book at about age nine. Oh, cute. Um, and it was it was a murder mystery, actually. It set <laughs> at Eliza's manor house. Oh. We used to pass it on the way to my grandmother's house. Yeah. Um, we used to drive down Beely Avenue and I was just fascinated by it. But the story only got to a couple of pages, um, a couple of pages long. But yeah, um, it started, I guess, in, at, at uh, University at Canterbury and as a fresh faced sort of an 18, 19 year old first year of university, I wandered up to RDU and I just had this thought that I really wanted to write radio ads. And I'm not entirely sure. I don't know where, where it was before the days of Mad Men. I don't know where that idea came from. But, um, yeah, and I guess there's something about writing radio ads and writing children's books that there's this kind of synergy between just the sound of, of reading out loud and the language and playful language and creating lovely sounds with language, which I think, as you said, in your introduction is what children's books are so wonderful at doing. Mm. So how did you end up going, sort of bouncing from RDU to London? Now you're in Melbourne. You've been uh, getting about a bit yourself. Well, yes, yes. So I was um, born and bred in Christchurch and I studied journalism at university and I sort of thought I'd, I'd stick to, to that, but it wasn't an easy journey and I ended up randomly falling into the world of market research, but always keeping a... Um, 
always keeping an interest in creative writing. And so um, I guess I went to, to London like all, a lot of New Zealanders do for the, the big OE, but mine lasted sort of 13 years because I fell in love with the place. And while I was there, I still, you know, had the day jobs, but I, I did writing courses and poetry writing courses and, and lots of creative writing and dabbled around it. And it wasn't really till I had children and I guess when you have children, you, you have read picture books, do you, before you have children, unless you're a school teacher. And I suppose once you have children, and because I love books, and I had a lovely independent bookshop up the road, and I just started going to the library and reading children's books. And I think I just fell in love with them all over again. And and I think I thought, oh, maybe this is a medium I can write in. I have a sort of fairly short attention span. You can have a lot of fun. You can play <laughs> with sound. You can play with sound in a way, and they're designed to be read out loud. So I think I just thought, maybe this is my niche. I can't write a novel. I've tried. I can't write a novel. I'll write a very, very short novel, which is a children's book. And was it a smooth process, or did you sort of pick it up and put it down a bit? I picked it up and put it down a lot. So um, obviously when you're, you know, when you're working kind of nine to five and raising little children, you don't always get that space to no. be creative. I would do a lot of searching online. Like, well, how do you, you know, oh, you know, JK Rowling managed to write a book while she was a single mum and she'd get up at five in the morning and you sort of get all this inspiration, but it's so hard to do it. So I'd just try and when that when it overtook me, I'd sit down. And But the it's funny, the book was in my head for, the story was in my head for a long time and it was probably probably three years and it wasn't till I got to finally left London to get closer to New Zealand so I ended up in Melbourne um and yeah I did a writing course there writing picture books course with um a, a writer here a children's uh, writer in Melbourne and um she took the course and it was great and I took the giant spoon which I had written um but not quite what it was like today but I'd written it and she really loved it and the whole class was so enthusiastic and we almost sort of workshops and really other cool ideas that happened in it and it gave me a lot of confidence to go this is a really good story um why don't I give it a go trying to write it and get it published so that was kind of how that happened and then you know as anyone knows it's really hard out there really really hard to get something published and you know, I thought, well, I'll do it myself. You only live once. I'll do it myself. And I was very lucky that um, I knew Lucy and I knew that she had taken a career change and was trying to pursue her passion for illustration. And she was a friend of mine in London. So it was sitting in Primrose Hill um, in London. I went back there for a holiday and we had a lovely afternoon in Primrose Hill. And I said, I've written a children's book. And she said, send it to me and I might illustrate it. So that was, so it's a nice sort of (laughs) intercontinental journey, perhaps. And I'm loving the sliding doors story of how your book came to life too. So even the fact that you knew Lucy and she was able to do the illustrations, but then also how you've ended up to get it into shops. Yes, yeah, that has been a really lovely part of part of the journey, doing that actually. And Lucy and I were very committed to wanting it to look as professional as possible and to look like a, a, a book that came from a publishing house. So that's why we created a publishing house, which was also an awesome part of the journey, and that's called Squawky Books. So you can look Squawky Books up. I love that name. It's great. Well, I like it because if you actually look at the definition of squawky, it's actually quite funny because I think it's a really annoying noise, isn't it? I don't know. It's It's a noise that doesn't stop often too. And perfect for Australia. It reminds me of those birds over there. (laughs) Is it the glass? Lucy Lucy lives in the most romantic setting in the world. Lucy lives on a houseboat in Oxford. Nice. I know. It's just so lovely. And, you know, and, and there was nothing. I never said to her, look, this is an Australian book. Mm-hmm. Because I think it isn't. It's, it, it's, you know, she's as much part of it because she's in London. But she yeah. decided to put these Australian 
Australian things in it. So there's a Ned Kelly reference. You might be able to look for the Ned Kelly reference. And there's um, more Australian-looking houses, perhaps, than, than, than English terrace houses. But then she created this cockatiel character, this cheeky cockatiel that turns up on every page. So it just felt perfect to create this character, I guess, of Squawky. And Squawky's got such a great character. So that was where the, the idea of Squawky books came from, just kind of this bird theme, I guess. Um, yeah, so that, that, that's, that's how we did that. And I think getting into bookshops has just been another lovely part of the journey. It's been brilliant. You're listening to This Is Who We Are. I'm Tina Dacum-Luke, and today my guest is Rebecca York. So you were lucky enough to get into Scorpio books here. Um, what does it take to be brave enough to take your book and show it to people and ask them to take it on? It is. You do have to be really brave. You do have to be really brave. And I was really, I sat on it. like once Literally or metaphorically? Well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> metaphorically sat on it. We got the books delivered and it was sort of close to Christmas and I was moving house. And so that was part of the reason I didn't have a lot of bandwidth. But also I was scared. And a lot of people said, you're not going to get a book in a bookshop. They won't take them unless they're from major distribution centres or, you know, they won't do it, they won't do it. And I and I was really nervous, but I was also, and I don't know, is this luck or is this, I love bookshops, I love books, and I was, I guess, lucky enough that I lived in Melbourne around the corner from the little book room. If anyone ever goes to Melbourne, it is the oldest, I think it is the oldest children's bookshop in Australia, potentially even in the world, because it was started, I think, over 50 years ago, just for children's books. And because I lived around the road from it, because I love bookshops with a passion, about as much as I love libraries, I would go there all the time. And, you know, anyone with young children knows that bookshops are a great place to while away a bit of a rainy afternoon and they have a train set out the back. And, of course, because you can tell I talk a lot, I chatted and I got to know the owners. So... That was helpful, I think. And so I went in and I was sort of shaking like a leaf and I hand thrust the book at her and said, I've written a book. <laughs> and she was just so lovely. And she she read it in front of me and she loved it. And she said, I'll take 12 copies. And honestly, I think I said to you on the phone, I think mm. I cried tears of joys and literally jumped up and down because it was just the most incredible feeling. And then once one person takes it, I think it gives you that resolve and especially such an amazing bookshop, like an icon of a bookshop. Um, if one bookshop's good, you know, and, and, and it was a great name to riff on, mm. you know. And But, like, not every bookshop will take independent books. They won't. Some some just won't as a blanket rule. Um, but some do, and so you just have to find the ones that do. And obviously turning up with a book that everyone thought looked really beautiful helped. But, yeah, but once you've done one, the rest, you don't feel so scared of rejection. I guess. So even looking back, you must have, you know, when you begin a journey, you never know where it's going to take you. But you've learned so much because you've not only written a book, you've had it illustrated, you've published it, but you created your own publishing house to do it with. So you're setting a platform for the future too. Yes, yes. And there are lots of ideas. And I think Lucy and I are just sort of been on this journey. And I guess the next step is do we continue because there are lots of ideas. But it's not... Yeah, I don't know. It's 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 a passion, you know. It's, I think it's a passion you do it for. I don't think it's it's going to make you a millionaire, but you never know. I don't. I won't hold out for that. But I think it's something that you know. It is. It is. I can imagine it's probably quite addictive. So yeah. perhaps Squawky Books will release more titles in the future and gather more more momentum. I I hope. And you can't beat a passion project, especially in COVID times. So I guess being in lockdown at different times in Melbourne, this has given you something to focus on too. 
Yeah, it was nice. So um, Lucy was in lockdown in London and I was in lockdown in Melbourne for so much of that winter. So it was nice that we could jump on Zoom and talk to each other and, you know, brainstorm. And at some points it felt like it was never going to happen. And I I won't lie, there were sometimes times in my life where, are we actually going to do this? Is this actually going to happen? Because it was such a steep learning curve. Um, And there was so much, I guess, we didn't know or hadn't thought of. But the fact that it did is a great is a great feeling that you can think of a project and 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 you can see it to the end and you know it's that it's that kind of bucket list thing, isn't it? It's You've very it. special. And I think I think so many people talk about writing a book. It's amazing how many people have come up to me and said, "Oh wow, I've got this idea, and you know, I, I've wanted to do this," and 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 it is quite daunting. So I think it's um yeah that, that they say everyone's got a book in them. Isn't that, isn't that a saying? It is a saying. And I <laughs> want to take us on a tangent just now because something that's just popped into my head is what did it mean for your daughter that something that she said at preschool has ended up being a book? Well, she just tells everybody that it was her idea. <laughs> Which it was, kind of, yeah. And then she asked me where, when, when the cash is going to come to her, <laughs> when the royalties are going to come. Um I think it does mean a lot to her. I think she's very proud of it. She took it to her school and she read it to the class. Um, yeah, I think she is quite proud of it. I think she's almost taking it for granted, actually. She might, she, as she gets a bit older, she might think, wow, you know. And there's, um, and there's an inscription at the beginning. Um, uh, uh, there's a dedication and it says, for Rosa who thought of it and for Neelam who wrote it down. And there was a poetry to that phrase that kind of kept going around in my head and I was really determined that that was what it would say in the inside because I thought, you know, Rosa had this idea, but how lovely that her nursery teacher wrote it word for word in, in a book to yes. show me. And I thought that was kind of really special that she wrote it down and heard <laughs> it as well. I thought that was very sweet. That is, it is special. And I do love how um, much effort goes in at preschools now to have those little um, learning logs and to jot those wee moments down that we as parents might miss. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, it's been very slack of me. So I have to, um, but I have, have, have got to send because I, 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 I believe she may still work there, but I, I have, have been very slack. I need to send a copy to her and she'll probably go, what? I don't remember this at all. But who knows? Maybe she will. Maybe she will remember. She might do because it's not, um, you know, every day that a giant spoon pops out of a, a little child's mouth of what it's been up to and what they are imagining around it. So if anybody listening, so, you know, yes, we're in Christchurch, but potentially anyone could be listening to this around the world, where can they access the book and how could they find out more about you or follow you? Well, if they go to the Instagram page, which is Squawky Books. Now, as I said to you, Squawky, I, I told you that Squawky, I find it's a really tricky word to spell. <laughs> I don't know if I've got some sort of linguistic challenge with the word Squawky. I always want to put an R in it. So it's S-Q-U-A-W-K-Y, books. Um, so if you, if you look at Squawky Books, you'll find us on Instagram. Um, we are, we so Scorpio Books in Christchurch is, yes. is selling it. And um you can buy it online from their website, uh, the little book room in Melbourne, Brunswick Bound in Melbourne. So you can, if, if, if you Google the title, you should be able to find those bookshops. And um, you can always send us a message on Instagram because you can buy it uh, direct from Lucy in the UK as well. So you can definitely get yourself a copy. But we like to send people, I like to send people to the bookshops because I think 
it's it's continuing that positive loop, isn't it? Yes. They, they they kindly take a punt on you. So I like to send people into them because they're such awesome places. And you do get lost, especially Scorpio Books in Christchurch, since we are at Plains FM in Christchurch. It is such a nice place to hang out. Yeah, definitely. Is there anything that we haven't discussed today that you would like to discuss as we finish up? Um, no, not really. But you, people might wonder why I picked... Uh, Waterloo Sunset by the Kinks. Ah, yes. And why did you? Well, it just popped into my head, actually. I don't know. I've always loved loved that song. And it is a very quintessential, um, for some reason, it always reminds me of London because Waterloo Bridge. Ah. And it makes me feel very nostalgic. And I guess I think what, what I love about creating this book is that it's so kind of it's it's global in its own way so it lives in London and it was created in London and it was written and formed in Melbourne and London and then I absolutely love that it has a life and it lives and breathes in Christchurch my hometown at the absolutely awesome Scorpio Books. so I kind of feel like it's a nice little international project it's three cities that have been involved in its creation in a way or at least you know um, yeah, so I really like that about it. Do you have another project on the go? Well, I do have a story in the back, well, a couple of stories in the back of my mind. and One of them is about a small boy's relationship, or a small child, I should say, a small child's relationship with a green truck. And <laughs> which sounds, you know, you, you know, as small children, they can get very enamored with one toy and one yes. toy only, and that that toy can travel everywhere with them, and it doesn't have to be a teddy bear. It could be a green recycling truck, which is what this was inspired by. But I also have another idea, which I don't know if it's going to be too scary, but I've been playing around with it now for quite a long time, and I thought parents might relate to it, and it's around a washing pile. <laughs> a very large pile of washing. And I think I may have been... This is showing my age now. I may have been slightly inspired by, do you remember Fraggle Rock? Yes, I loved um, Fraggle Rock. Do you remember the um, the, the compost heap? Yes. That kind of came to life. <laughs> so I feel like there's something, uh, there's an idea that I've been really ruminating on that is, is sort of inspired by that but involves a washing pile. I think that could and, be awesome. And I know oh, that well, yeah. <laughs> the um, the symbol I think that most mothers know um, that represents the washing pile is the infinity symbol. Because it goes round and round and never disappears. Exactly. Like like things go into it, things get pulled out of it. Ends up, yeah, it's just this sort of, yeah, totally. So there's, there's, there might be something in that, but it might scare the children too much. I don't know. I don't, I don't think know. it would. I think the children are a lot more resilient. But having said that, I read a really old copy of Pinocchio to a little girl the other day, and she was fine with it, but I was a bit shocked by it. And I thought, did we really re- have this read to us when we were little? Because I'm finding this scary. But So I think the resilience in children around um, those themes and stories is interesting too. Well, I think that, yeah, because I remember when where I, I got all the old fairy stories when my daughter was little and I hadn't read them for years and I remember reading Little Red Riding Hood and, like, the fact that the stomach gets open for the wolf to come out. And, <laughs> and I do think that probably, I do think that people shop, I don't think people were as gentle with ch- children in the old days when it came to scary things. No, a bit way. more rough and I, bump and, yeah. Because mm, I think some of them are really quite violent, really, or quite sad you know whereas I think maybe people have softened things a little bit more for children perhaps when it comes to that kind of thing in books I don't know but 
Well, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me today. It's never enough time. And I will be interested to see uh, what you create next. And thank you for agreeing to uh, bring your book uh, into, my, into my home. It will be read this afternoon with a little uh, five-year-old that I'm about to go and pick up. And we're going to have a great wee time finding all those different characters on the page too. Oh, well, thank you so much for having me. It's been so lovely. Um, thank you very much. Being able to have a look behind the creative process for somebody else is always fascinating to me. And also the tenacity and uh, the self-esteem it takes to be able to actually create something and then be brave enough to show it to the world. So to everybody out there with an idea, I really want to encourage you to uh, let yourself be creative. There's nothing like it. And I'm finding in my middle age that... um, those creative moments of in my life actually really shape my year and um, they bring so much joy. So feel free to uh, message me if you uh, have anything that you would like to talk about around that creative process and also have a look at Rebecca's book because it's well worth it. Kia kaha Christchurch. Christchurch.